The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. new microphone so we're just testing it out just want to uh say hey boys and girls well done great job i um really believe that yeah give them a round of applause i do believe that it's going to be this young generation that's going to impact uh, australia in a way that we uh, as adults long for long to see and if ever there's going to be a revival in australia i i think this next young generation is going to have a great shot at that so we're uh, we want to pass the baton on to you and do that well so good to uh, see you do that and for you to participate and show us your faith this morning. We're in the book of Mark, if you're joining with us for the first day today, and some of you are um, here in person, perhaps online as well, and we're asking the question, who is Jesus and why did he come? And we got to this place in the book of Mark where we have this extraordinary story about what happens. Don't you sometimes wish that God would just show up uh, in ways that would just be, he'd just show his presence and power in unmistakable ways, in a way that would convince people that he was real. I remember growing up, uh, I do remember growing up, but I remember this story very vividly as a younger, young man, I was at, we were at, I was at high school, I had a best friend, Michael, and Michael had just come to face in Jesus, and uh, we had a friend, he was a German bloke, let's call him Ben. Um, and, and he was really, he was, he was an atheist, right? And, and we would have these arguments, right, about is the Bible true, you know, evolution and all of that. And he's Jesus, the son of God. And, and, and we would have these debates that often turn into a bit of an argument. And I remember very distinctly walking out of, the, of, of one of the, the, these, these arguments of discussions and saying to my friend Michael, who was a Christian, saying, hey, Michael, I just wish God would do something to convince Ben that, that God is real. I'm going to, and I said this to Michael, I said, I'm going to call down lightning on Ben. And my friend Michael said, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, for two reasons. I don't think God would have heard my prayer. And secondly, if Ben got zapped by lightning, well, that was the end of Ben, right? No more talking to him about Jesus. But sometimes, friend, we long for God to show himself in our lives, in our circumstances, in our family, in powerful ways. Sometimes we pray to pray, God, would you only hear my cry and intervene in this trouble I'm in? This issue I'm facing, does he really care for me? Does he really care for you? It seems to be the unspoken story in Australia as well. Uh, Back in 2018, these are the latest statistics I have. um, Only 23% of Australians said they're atheists. So the vast majority of Australians believe in something. Yes, many would say they're irreligious, they just don't care. But they're saying that at least there's something out there, but that something out there or someone just doesn't care about us, and so we'll just carry on and make life work. You've just got to make it work on your own. Today we're going to discover Jesus in the storm. 
The storms of life were not new for Jesus. And I'll explain what I mean in a little while later. But for the people we're going to encounter, this was a terrifying place to be. Right up front, I want to say this. This is the big idea. In the storms of life, we discover both the power and the love of Jesus. I would argue that it's really there in storms of life that we truly discover the power and love of Jesus. Let's read the story. Mark 4.35. It's on the screen. Look in your device. Uh, read in your Bible. That day, so Jesus had finished a big day of teaching. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. They were on the Sea of Galilee, and they were sailing across to the eastern side to go to the, the, the land of the Gentiles. He said, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. I want to pause just there and go down a little bit of a side street. Sometimes, especially the argument that's given to our younger generation, and perhaps you've heard this before, you know, you can't really believe the Bible. It's sort of made up stories, um, you know, that the Bible was written a long time after Jesus, and they sort of put together their, their thoughts about how Jesus was, and sort of the idea of Jesus just grew and grew. It didn't really rise from the dead. They, just their hope of, of, of the next life was sort of, they, they came up with this idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Friends, I would say that's basically untrue. When you read these gospel accounts, there are are eyewitness details here that you wouldn't find, firstly, in a story that's been made up. For example, we saw somebody saying, and we believe the source of this is from the Apostle Peter, saying, hey, there were other boats. Why would you say that? It's like saying the, the myth of Hercules, Hercules fighting all the gods, and Hercules was wearing a green cloak. You wouldn't say that. But there are details here that are from, that come from an eyewitness who was there. And hey, Jesus was sleeping on a cushion, by the way. And there's another thing that makes me believe that these are really true and, and taken down were very, were recorded very early on after it happened, after Jesus died and rose again, is that, um, you know, when, when you're writing the story of the church and you're writing about, and if you were writing a legend and, and you had all these heroes of the faith, Peter and John and James, you would class them as heroes, not as sort of the village idiots that sometimes they were made out to be. I'm not demeaning them. You wouldn't, class, you wouldn't describe them as sort of bumbling along and trying to figure out life at times. Here we see this encounter, this real encounter. And some of them were sailors, and we see they get into some real strife. In the next verse, verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. Remember, this was at night. They were going along in this boat, and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The Sea of Galilee is known for its really, really severe storms. The Sea of Galilee is 200 meters below sea level, and about 70 kilometers in the distance, and you can see it is Mount Hermon, which rises to 3,000 or 2,700 meters above sea level. So you have 3,000 meters of difference in height. And as, as the evening comes, the, the air has warmed up the, 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 the sea and, and the air is rising off the Sea of Galilee. But Mount Hermon is freezing cold and there's this, there's this wind that comes down the Jordan Valley and is sinking down. And you have these big storms on the Sea of Galilee very often. Even if you go there today, I believe I haven't been there personally. But they say on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, if you go to a restaurant, all the restaurants are up on stilts. 
Uh, I don't know if you've been to the Sea of Galilee. Has anybody been there? No? Yes, somebody has. Yeah. I'd love to go. If anybody wants to sponsor me, I'd take your, take your sponsorship after the service. No, only joking. They're up on stilts, and there's a sign evidently in the car park that says, hey, if there's a storm, this, sea, this water level can rise by three meters, so you better move your car out of here. Otherwise, by the time you've had your dinner, your, your car will be out in the ocean, in the sea. A furious squall came up. They were in a boat, and, and they've actually found a boat buried in the mud that was from about the time of Jesus, a boat which we think was similar to what Jesus and the disciples were on. It was about eight meters long, 2.2 meters wide, and 1.3 meters high, and it could take about 15 people in it. And there were two covered areas in it, and, and four people would be rowing. Now you can imagine this Jesus under the, you know, sort of, you know, under some cover, sleeping, and there's four blokes rowing, and the water, and these are fishermen, some of them, and the water's coming over the boat. But Jesus is asleep. I think there's some intentionality around that. But I also believe, and this is my own view, that Jesus was so secure in who he was and who the Father was, and in his calling and mission, that he knew he wasn't going to die that night. I'm guessing, right? Because the Bible doesn't tell us. But there's this deep security about Jesus that actually he could sleep in the boat. The disciples were freaking out. Verse 38, they woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, really, Jesus, this is... There's this thing going on here. We could lose our lives. We are freaked out of our minds. We are seasoned fishermen. Normally you would fish at night because the storms wouldn't normally come in the afternoon. So if there was a storm at night, it was really bad. So look at Jesus. He gets up, verse 39. He rebukes the wind and says to the waves, quiet, be still. Now these two words, quiet, be still. The word quiet is the word you'd use talking to a, a, a child, going, no, no, keep quiet now. You've had enough say. Quiet. And then there's this, the, the word be still is a very personal way of talking to this. Jesus is addressing this wind and the waves as if it were a person. And he says it in a way that says be still, and not just that's enough, because you know when, when wind's been blowing, if, you, if, if, you're a, if you're a boatie and you're out on the water and, and you know there's a, the wind's been blowing it takes and the wind drops, it takes a while for the waves to stop. But this actually says it just went dead calm. Dead calm. It was a miracle. And people, modern people reading this, they go... Uh, People that were there said, this is a miracle. It was dead calm. And sometimes we doubt the miracles of Jesus because we sometimes think in our minds, well, you know, Jesus prayed for the blog's back and back felt better. You know, you don't really know. You can't really see. But here was dead calm. And we believe it's from the apostle Peter. Somebody said very wisely when it comes to the miracles of God, the greatest miracle that ever there was was the miracle of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 
And after you get that in your mind going, okay, that could have happened, then everything else follows. If Jesus truly is the Son of God, remember we're exploring who is Jesus and why did he come. If he truly is the Son of God, then for him to have command over the sea was possible. In their way of thinking in that ancient world, the only person who could have any say over the sea was God. The sea was the untamed frontier. You know, if, you, if you're hiking and, and a storm comes, you can pitch a tent or find a cabin and you can get out of it. But when you're on the sea in a little boat, where do you go? And if you read some of the Psalms in the Old Testament, they, they will even say this is the place of, of monsters. This place of habitation is unruly. And when you read the Psalms and the Psalm says, well, even the oceans are praising God, it means only God could have control over something like this. The disciples were discovering the power of Jesus in the storm. There was no greater symbol of the, of the inability of human beings to change their position than a storm on a sea. It was uncontrollable, full of fury and chaos. And Jesus speaks through it and says, keep quiet, be calm. Then he turns to his disciples, verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's a question. What is the, if there was one command in the Bible, if, there were, if you stacked up all the commands, the, the most, the one that gets the prize for the, for, the, for the number of commands that are given in the Bible would be this. Do not fear. God says do not fear to so many people in the Old Testament. There's something about fear that goes to the heart of our faith, isn't there? And Jesus says, do you still not have faith? Do you still not have faith? He's anticipating that they will have faith one day. He's anticipating that faith will grow. This was the reason he took them on this ocean in the first place. David Garland, Garland said this. He said if the disciples only understood that they had to set, that they had to set to sea with one who had such power, they would confess that all their fears were groundless. I said earlier that this is not the first storm Jesus had been through with people. And you go, what, what are you talking about, Ray? And you go back to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. and talks about the angel of the Lord going ahead of the Israelites. And the angel of the Lord speaking as if he were God. There's really good evidence to believe that actually there was Jesus who was going ahead of the nation of Israel, the pre-incarnate Son of God, speaking on behalf of the Father as if he were God. And he leads them to the, sea, the, the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea for them. He leads them through. He's the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke. He's the one that goes before into these storms that people have faced in their lives. He's not this God who magically showed up at some point on a lake in Galilee and said, oh, here I am. He's been there all along with his people, leading them through the storms of life. 
So I would ask ourselves a question today. The storm that you're in, the thing you're facing, the thing that you're fearing and concerned about, perhaps your future for your kids, or the future of this planet and this world, you know, what's happening with global warming, or the war in the Ukraine, or is Kim Jong-un going to press the button and, and send some atomic missile over someplace? If those are your fears and worries, and they're real, they're real places where you can fear and worry, but Jesus is saying, I've led people through before. I can do this again. I love reading the Chronicles of Narnia, actually watching this, the, the movies, and I've read some of the books. But in, in, in the one of the, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there are four, four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, who have been taken to this land of Narnia. And there's this white witch who's just turned one of the, the characters, Mr. Timnus, into stone. And, and the, these four um, Young people are saying, what can we do to rescue him? And Peter, who's the oldest, he said, perhaps we should come up with a plan to rescue him. And, and the two creatures that are with him, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, by the way, C.S. Lewis, Christian, he's writing this to teach us about spirituality, right? Uh, they're really good reads. And so Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are there talking to them and saying, yeah, you could try. You could try and go and rescue Mr. Timnus, but he's been turned to stone by the white witch. But is someone else coming is someone else coming, and his name is Aslan. Aslan, tell us about Aslan, the children said. And, and then they begin to explain that Aslan is a lion. And Susan, the older, do- older girl, she says to Mrs. Beaver, but I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, my dearie. And no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just plain silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Because he isn't safe, but I tell you he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And what they're meaning is, is this wildness to Jesus, this untamability to him. He's good, but he's not tame. So the disciples were discovering the power of Jesus in the storm they were in. God's people have discovered the power of God in the storms they've been in. I would argue for you right now, the storm you're in... Is God aware of that? Is he able to change that? Then why doesn't he? Why is he sleeping in the boat, as it were? Why is he, in Australian Christianity, it seems like God is asleep in the boat? God, we're praying for our community. We're praying for our family. We're praying for our son and daughter. We're praying for our parents to come to faith. God, why don't you do something? It's like you're asleep in the boat. But is he really? The second thing they're going to discover is about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus for them and the way that he encounters us in that. There's a few things here. 
two things quickly and then one thing I want to spend some time on. Jesus, right at the beginning of the story, I don't know if you missed that, he said, let us go to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. These are my words to you. We're going to the other side. It was a sense of his presence with them that guaranteed what he said to be true would happen. We're going to the other side. Secondly, Jesus was in the boat. He was present. He was with them. And God has given us his Holy Spirit to be present with us, to never leave us. He's with us. But there's a third thing that we, we miss, but thank you to those who are great teachers out there, and I'm learning this from others. So if you think I'm great, no, I'm not. I'm learning this from others. There's a parallel between Jesus and Jonah. Jesus refers to himself as John, like Jonah, he said, like Jonah, I'm going to be in the grave for three days. He has a couple of things you perhaps haven't noticed. First of all, that both Jesus and Jonah were, well, Jonah was from southern Galilee, where Jesus was ministering. That's where Jonah grew up. They would have known these stories about Jonah. And if you remember from the story of Jonah from Sunday school, you know that Jonah was also in a boat. He was also asleep in a storm. You also remember that the sailors were, were freaked out of their mind and said, Jonah, don't you care that we drown? And so they woke him up. Do you remember that? There's so much about Jesus and Jonah that is similar. And so Jonah says to the men, there's only one thing you can do. You have to kill me. I have to die for you to live. Throw me over the boat. Throw me over the edge into the sea. I will die so that you can live. And they did that. They threw him over the edge, and the storm went dead quiet. And the sailors had great fear. They had fear in the beginning. Well, this was even greater fear, just like the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. But the disciples didn't have to throw Jesus over the edge because not very much later, Jesus would plunge himself into the very wrath of God to rescue us, to rescue us from death, the devil, our fears, and our sin. He would pay the price, friends. He would show us his love and his power at the same time on the cross. So we stand here 2,000 years later in the shadow of that. And we say, God, would you please just show up in power in my situation Jesus is saying to you, I've already shown up in power on the cross. I've disarmed all the things that cause you to worry about your future, your health, your finances, your family, your job, 
said, all of those things which are at the heart of our wanting to be able to control life, to know the future, to control the future, he says, I've disarmed that, and now you can rest. Rest in my Father's presence. Rest like you're on that cushion, and trust me. Do you still have no faith? I'm wanting to develop your faith. In this crisis, you think I'm not hearing and listening, but I see it. I'm with you. I'm wanting you to step up in your face. In the storms of life, we discover both the power and the love of Jesus Christ. It's no surprise that the early church, under persecution, we believe the book of Mark, I believe there's strong evidence or there is evidence to believe this was written to Christians mainly in Rome, going through persecution before the destruction of the temple in AD 70. So very early on, written to them to encourage them. They were going, Peter, James, and John, James was probably already martyred, but Peter and John, where is this Jesus that you spoke about? Is he with us in this storm? Would you rescue, will he rescue us? And so they told them these stories again, narratives, not made-up stories. They told them them again. They wrote them down. They said, this is why we, we're, who is Jesus? He's the son of God. Why he came? He came to rescue us. He took our place. Trust him. We're going to the other side. Remember those things. Remember, remember. It's not surprising that the early church chose for themselves the symbol of a boat. You know the word nave? I only found this out yesterday. You know the old word nave? It is like old church, you know. Catholic churches have naves or the Anglican church. And nave is, is, the, is the Latin word for boat. The congregation sit in the nave. And God rescuing people, the symbol of a boat, was often in the early church art. So I want to ask you the question today in Australia, 2023, is that not again a symbol for us as Australian Christians to go, God, will you rescue this church that you have born with, bought with your blood? Will you rescue us from this turmoil and and and? It's like a wanting to flood this boat. You know, the, the relevance of the church. Oh, you know, what's going to happen to faith? Will you rescue us? Perhaps it's time to get this picture again of the church being the boat. And Jesus being in the boat with you and I, answering your questions, answering your children's questions, taking, taking us by his hand, giving us courage. So three things quickly to put into practice. I want to ask you this morning, what does fear say about your level of faith? Don't run away from that question. Simply let it be what it is. If you are fearful, go, okay, what is it saying about where you're at? I'm not condemning you. I'm simply saying, let it sit there. Own it. What does it say about my level of faith and what is God calling me to? Because if God, if God is in this boat with me, and, and the, 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 the number one command in the Bible is do not fear, what am I fearing, and how does faith help me? 
Secondly, what is Jesus teaching you about his constant love toward you that you might have missed? You might be saying right now, where is Jesus in my storm? Where is he in my life? What have you missed, perhaps? That would be showing his love toward you even now. Thirdly, in what way do you plan to rekindle your reverent fear of God? For some of you that comes naturally, that's sort of your paradigm you operate under. For many of us Western Christians, it's not. It's like Jesus is just a bloke, you know, he loves us and everybody's happy and we all give hugs and it's all good. But he's the son of God. He's Ashland the lion who's not tame. This is my challenge from my own sermon. What do I need to do to reestablish or rekindle my reverent fear of God? Which one of those three is yours this morning? The Bible says in Romans 8.38, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Father, we thank you for your constant, constant message toward us. One of love. One of holy love. Lord, help us this morning to hear this story that's been passed down to us. Where you were in the boat physically, Lord. And might it encourage our faith today? Might we be reminded, Lord, of the things you're telling us? Certainty of that. That you are leading us through that you are making a way, that you have us in your hands, that you will provide for us, that you do care. Help us to have faith. Help us to exercise our faith. Help us to trust the one who is holy and powerful and able to speak into our situation. Help us not to miss this. Fill us with your presence and your power and your spirit, and courage and hope and joy and love supernaturally, we pray. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.